This is the Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran podcast. Hey, family. Welcome to Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran. I pray that you are doing well and staying safe on this beautiful sunny day. Thank you for listening. With the Lord's help and guidance, I work hard to share the truth with you, with us. Because the same words that I share with you, I must take and examine myself first. God's word has said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I intend to lead any and every listener to the freedom that only truth can afford you. At another point in the scriptures, the word reminded us, brethren or brothers and sisters, I would not have you ignorant. It is my desire that these words encourage your heart, mind, and soul. Today, I want to impress upon you the importance of knowing who and whose you are, where you are, and the critical condition of our African-American race. Certainly, we are spiritual beings having human experiences. Not just any group of people, but God's chosen, His very elect. Now, I know some are questioning, I thought the children of Israel Those of Jewish descent were God's chosen. But allow me to clarify. God's word has amended that historical understanding in Romans 8th chapter, the 14th through the 17th verse. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, our father. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, according to Google, an heir is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. So as children of God, even be it by adoption, we inherit all of God's wealth, promises, provisions, and divine protection. You see, Jesus was born, lived, and died for all mankind, not just to save Israel or the Jewish nation. The relationship of God to his people is more than his calling. We, his people, also call him our God. God's people are identified more by their willingness to give themselves to him than by their ethnicity or nationality. Anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord becomes a part of the people of God. The relationship does not come through church attendance, dressing a certain way, or being a good person. It is a deliberate choice to follow God and follow God alone. That is why the word of God has commanded, choose you this day whom you will serve. You see, a choice has got to be made. And when we make that choice to embrace God, he embraces us as well. Then we truly are his people. God's word in 1 Peter 2 and 9 reminds us, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people 
that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Of course, as God's chosen, we have been deemed royal, holy. Holy really means clean, peculiar, which really means unusual, special, different, set aside, so that we represent the omnipotent God who has called us from darkness to light, from ignorance to knowledge, from foolishness to wisdom, from deceit to truth. I offer you the truth. You and I live in a stolen country built on the backs of a stolen people. And we are coexisting during perilous times. According to Google, the term perilous means full of danger or risk of disaster, risk of ruin. Hence, we are plagued with the threat of COVID-19, social tensions, racial injustice, and suppression of the truth. While many of us are the descendants of slaves, we are constantly told and being led to believe we have arrived. We got it going on. Have it too good. Stop looking back. Leave the past in the past. What happened in Africa stays in Africa. Just work harder and accept the status quo. I beg to differ as I urge you to seek the truth and nothing less than the whole truth. In order to know where we are going, we must reveal to ourselves and even to our children the knowledge and understanding of from whence we came. The comprehension of our past ushers us into our future. It provides us a clear reflection of who we really are. While I know that God has been better than good to us, I am asking him to increase my wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I ask him to not only allow me to see what I see, but have enough discernment to gain clear vision and understand the truth of who and where we really are. I woke up on Friday morning to the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, urging and demanding that school districts of Georgia not teach the critical race theory. Of course, as an educator, I am a believer who happens to believe that if we fail to learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it. For those who are wondering or are simply unfamiliar, the critical race theory is a discipline that seeks to understand how racism has shaped the United States laws and how those laws have continued to impact the lives of non-white people. According to Kimberly Crenshaw, a legal expert, philosopher, and leading scholar, the law has played a substantially significant role in establishing what race and racism actually are in American society. Crenshaw said, pointing to the effect laws have had on black people specifically, we can never forget that slavery was perfectly legal and constitutionally protected. Law has played a mixed role in our history. It has enslaved us. It has justified disenfranchising us. It has justified segregating or separating us. It has justified marginalizing us. It has 
justified criminalizing us, us being the black or African-American race. I repeat, we live in a stolen country that was built on the backs of a stolen people where some in influential positions such as governors, Republican majority state governors to include Tennessee, Texas, Idaho, North Carolina, Oklahoma, and Louisiana all urge us to either unsee what we are so clearly seeing concerning the critical condition of our African-American race or simply don't teach what you so vividly witness. After all, Georgia's governor, Brian Kemp, has warned such teaching is divisive as if the repeated, blatant, publicly recorded murders of black men and women is not divisive. As if the inequitable treatment of blacks in the criminal justice system is not divisive. As if the arrest of a black female representative for simply knocking on the governor's door in a building where she is actively employed does not widen the racial divide when we consider the insurrectionists at the Capitol storming the halls of Congress, fighting and injuring members of the Capitol police force and erecting gallows. Yes, a noose for publicly hanging someone. Yet no one was arrested during the commission of such egregious acts as opposed to a single black female representative of Georgia who was hauled off to jail after knocking on the governor's door, I am so certain that she would not have been arrested had she been a Caucasian senator. In fact, Donald Trump proclaimed his love for those same insurrectionists and shared how special they all were to him on nationwide TV. On the other hand, when speaking of the Black Lives Matter movement, he quickly condemned them all as un-American, haters of America, and even a terrorist group. Yet teaching that race has, and still today, plays an overwhelming role in how people are approached, in how people are treated, and the way people are afforded justice within our country is being suppressed. Additionally, such as being called racist and divisive, while the same has put together legislation to block the teaching or acknowledgement of the critical race theory. As if the words of Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, as he compared the black crowds from the Black Lives Matter movement and the predominantly white crowd that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, was not divisive. I remind you, he explained, I knew those were the people who loved this country, that truly respect law enforcement. He was talking about the white group that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. He said they would never do anything to break the law. So I wasn't concerned. Now had the tables been turned and President Trump won the election and tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter and Antifa members were in the Capitol, I might have been a little concerned, he said, end quote. Senator Johnson would later defend his racist, bigoted comments by saying, there's nothing racial in my comments whatsoever. Then he accused the critics, his critics, 
of using the race card. Of course, race was the stark difference between the two groups. Just as former President Donald Trump called members of Black Lives Matter haters of America, un-American, not real Americans, and also a terrorist group. Ron Johnson resounded the same sentiments within his statement. Furthermore, during Black Lives Matter rallies and protests, the National Guard was often, almost always, called in, along with aggressive police who were encouraged by Donald Trump. Don't be too gentle with them either. However, on January 6th, during the insurrection, no National Guards were called. No backup for the Capitol Police was called, even after repeated requests were made to former President Donald Trump by the grossly outnumbered, overtaxed Capitol Police. Such racist views would support that because the intruding party was overwhelmingly white, they loved the country and should be allowed to express themselves uninterrupted and unencumbered. But had they been black, they should be aggressively treated like the un-American terrorists, criminals that Black Lives Matter members really are. The governors of six states, formerly Confederate states, called the critical race theory ridiculous, which is probably very easy to say when you do not have a black son or daughter that you are raising of whom to be concerned. I'm sure it is easy to call the critical race theory a twisted Marxist ideology when you don't live in fear for the lives of your young sons, brothers, nephews, or for the well-being and fair treatment of our fathers, husbands, and uncles. It is traumatizing to allow our young girls out of our sight, who, I can admit, might have a quick temper, fearing that if the police are called for an argument or physical altercation, she could become the victim of a justified police shooting. God forbid, knowing deep within our hearts that had Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Dante Wright, Tamir Rice, or Andrew Brown, had they been white, the outcomes would have been so, so different. You see, most who are honest and reasonable can admit that race cannot be negated when we look at how the system and social constructs of this country deal with people of color versus our Caucasian counterparts. Yes, the legal system supported the enslavement of blacks. It has justified the disenfranchisement of blacks. It has justified segregating blacks. It has justified marginalizing us. It has justified criminalizing us. How dare anyone, white, black, or other, claim that teaching the critical race theory is divisive when the very systems that prove its relevance and truth are being accepted as the norm or the way things have always been. Just because a matter or an attitude has been does not mean it is the way that things ought to be or we should become so desensitized to systemic racism that it is normalized in our lives, our thoughts, our communities, and God forbid, in the hearts and minds of our children. 
I pray that God would grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I believe, God, that as difficult as systemic racism is to deal with, as painful as it hurts and as deep as it cuts, only God is able to dismantle it. I know that prayer, the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous availeth much. Pardon me as I explain that it is better to deal with a true giant face to face rather than to pretend it does not exist and bury our heads in the sand. Just as God's word has warned, I will not have you ignorant, my brothers and sisters. We serve an awesome God who sits high, but he sees every little thing, even those infractions that are done in the darkness. God's word has said, what is done in the dark, under the cloak of darkness, or as some might think in secret, will be brought to the light. It matters not how careful or cunning you are. God still sees you. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, that he watches me and he sees our every move, even knows our thoughts before we think them. Just know you cannot hide from God who is omniscient. He knows all things. So it is with the shameful yet unashamed injustices that seem to grow larger and larger, more bold and blatant by the day. If you really believe that the critical race theory is ridiculous, explain how Louisiana's white state troopers viciously brutalized and murdered Ronald Green, a black man, then explain to his family that he died in an auto accident. Yet their own body cameras would expose the grueling truth of how they viciously, mercilessly beat, dragged, stomped, and tased this black man to death. A shameful, undeniable murder that was caught on tape while the same men who had sworn to protect and serve made disgusting, racist comments, even accusing the man, Ronald Green, as he prayed and begged for his life. They accused him of getting his blood on their hands. Through all of that, just know that Mr. Green's unwashable blood is truly embedded in each of their dirty, godless, blood-stained hands. And the stain along with the stench of racism has left the putrid scent of hate and deception to which God's word has said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So God will take care of the matter far better than any of us could conceive in our hearts. But when the fine governor of Louisiana addressed Mr. Green's grieving mother, after those white deputy sheriffs, those white troopers who lied about Mr. Green's death has walked free for nearly two years now, how does he look her in the face? How does he look her in the eyes and tell her neither racism nor hatred had anything to do with your son's brutal murder? How does he do that? Furthermore, how, how on earth can he justify those men, the murderers, white men cloaked in nicely pressed blue uniforms, 
enforcing laws with bloodstained hands and hearts sick with racism after being captured by their own body cameras during the commission of such a heinous crime and then blatantly lying about the events of that night? If the governor or the powers that be are not complicit, how do they sleep well? And even more importantly, how do they allow those criminals, those predators to continue to serve the state of Louisiana with Mr. Green's blood, Mr. Green's innocent blood, still fresh on each of their dirty hands? My God, never before have I shed so many tears for people whom I neither know nor do they know me. I just know that they are people, regular people, who happen to look like me and my family. Black men, just like my father, my sons, my husband, my brothers, nephews, and uncles, whom I love and pray for each time the critical condition of racism crosses my mind lately more regular than I care to admit. Now, I did not say I like the critical race theory, but wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, which I continue to ask of God, allows me to reasonably see with my own two eyes the disparaging matters at hand. One can only explain away so much for so long. Then eventually, eventually, we are left with the undeniable, exposed, naked truth. We live in a stolen country that was built on the backs of a stolen people. Remember that the legal system in these United States of America supported the ownership of slaves, slave labor, and even slave markets where our ancestors were bought and sold like strong cattle. The legal system over time would eventually facilitate the Indian Removal Act, which forced thousands upon thousands of Native Americans off their own land. The government seized their land. The same created the infamous trail of tears. African Americans would constantly be treated as the inferior race. This must come to an end. There is no way to deal with a problem if one refuses to acknowledge that the problem exists. Hence the governors who would not like or allow the teaching of the critical race theory to start to begin the healing in this country. Too many factual occurrences have aligned to sustain the truth that blacks African-Americans are systemically treated differently in this country, treated as less than members of the Caucasian race, be it in education, housing, employment, medical affairs, or the criminal justice system. Those who are afraid to admit this truth see no problem with our country continuing with the status quo. So they have adopted legislation forbidding the teaching of the critical race theory, even though the proof sits squarely in our faces each time we watch or hear the news before one matter of racist misconduct is addressed. Another, if not multiple matters, seem to occur and reoccur. In the interim, 
Justice remains a moving target or a fleeting endeavor when the wrong has been allegedly committed by whites, especially in law enforcement, against members of the black race. Once again, sustaining the idea that for the inferiority of our black race, we somehow do not deserve the same level of justice that would be afforded if the skin color of the defendant and plaintiff was to be transposed. You understand, the defendant would be African-American and the plaintiff would have been Caucasian as they would allege that they have been wronged by some African-American or black person. I assure you, under those circumstances, the wheels of justice would find its way back into exacting justice appropriately and in a timely manner. Yet some argue that the critical race theory is a system that will blame and embarrass our children. As an educator, I disagree. I categorically disagree as the same should be taught to inform, enlighten, and move all to do better. How dare you ask me not to rock the boat when so many of my people are already overboard being drowned in a blue sea of deception while still being asked to quietly accept the reality of systemic racism that shapes the boundaries of the African-American existence in these United States. However, just don't call it the critical race theory. That would be divisive. But know this, many are called, but few, few are chosen. We are the chosen children of God, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Such a noble identity comes with the responsibility to seek, find, and embrace the whole truth. Hence, out of darkness to light, from deception of our coexistence in this country to the whole truth of who we really are. The harsh reality, a heart passed to our now, the present we face. We find answers within the query, the critical condition of our battered race. Too many insist upon judging us by the color of our skin, negating the love, honor, and respect of God that dwells so deep within. We scream so loudly yet they overlook who actually lives in here for their ignorance or misunderstandings plagued with innuendos and fears. I am God's chosen, a royal priesthood, a peculiar holy nation. Please judge me by the content of my character. Learn about my situation. They say America is the home of the brave and the sacred land of the free. I question such an honorable title for a land that dishonors my people and me. A land that was stolen from Native Americans, Europeans raped, pillaged, and stole, then went to Africa where they captured and purchased black slaves, but they could not touch the souls. All along, God stayed with us, promised to never forsake or leave. Let us know he would lead and guide us into all truth. To his word, I urge you, cleave. Indeed, we were fearfully and wonderfully made, spiritually endowed with God's own breath. We are spiritual beings having human experiences who must trust God until our death. 
Because we face such perilous times, it is important to know our past. So we embrace the spirit of the omnipotent God, one whose love will forever last. The plague we face is not COVID, but the plague of lies and hate. The plague of refusing to tell the truth to which death will be its fate. So seek to learn and know the truth God intended for you and me. The truth will dismantle a web of lies. The truth shall make you free. It will reveal the past, the present, the future, help you to reach your heart's desires. You will finally answer them so many whys, while truth will keep you uplifted, encouraged, and inspired. Well, family, this is number 56 of Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran. Today, I want to make certain that you know the value of arming our children with the truth of who the black race is, how we became a part of these United States, and why racism is so blatantly alive and well. The same is priceless to their self-esteem, confidence, and the way they see themselves today, as well as in their bright futures. Of course, the critical race theory offers a comprehensive study into the idea of so many in this country who would rather have people of color sit down shut up and accept the status quo. After all, this is the way things are and the way things have always been. The unspoken picture is one that shows people of color in a posture of inferiority, while the dominant or seemingly dominant race, the superior, appears to be Caucasian. The infamous insurrection of January 6th was a strong indicator of the attitudes of too many within this country, even the way in which that group was handled versus the aggression with which Black Lives Matter members were dealt. Hence my observation. We live in a stolen country that was built on the backs of a stolen people. And make no mistake, too many hope to keep their proverbial knees on our Black necks. So they are fine with us pretending that all is well and our coexistence that is plagued with overt inequities should be accepted as normal. God forbid. Actions speak louder than words. So we witness daily the unspoken attitudes of white privilege as seen among the insurrectionists at the Capitol, expressing that leaders should be white, Anglo-Saxon Protestant, Repeating, we won't have a country if we don't fight. And such rhetoric is even strongly embraced by a large majority of white evangelicals. Yet anytime the critical race theory is mentioned, it is immediately polarized, rejected, labeled divisive, and even silenced in education by predominantly white Republican leaders. I just want to remind you that there is nothing that you can do to prepare your children for the matters and issues that they will face short of intense prayer and arming them with honest, relevant information. That is, making certain that our young people know the truth, the truth of who we are as a race, the truth of how we became a part of these United States, and the truth that each may experience racist individuals, systemic racism, and unfair treatment 
just because of their skin color. I love our young people, and I know that you love your children. So please arm them with the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Race relations and the equality that people of color so desperately deserve is in critical condition. We must empower our youth with a positive mindset that change is possible over commitment, time, and a renewed mind. I pray God's blessings over each of you as you teach our children the whole truth, pray always, and expect God's divine intervention. Please don't forget to say something on my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn page. You can listen to me on Amazon Music, as well as my new platform on YouTube. I welcome your questions, comments, critiques, and suggestions on topics you'd like to explore. Who knows, you might just end up being a guest on an upcoming broadcast. Remember, I'm just a regular girl navigating this diverse world. I'm looking forward to each of you. Until then, take care of yourself, each other, and stay blessed. The Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Log on to castropolis.net.